Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Elaine Cha. Sometimes your dollars go to certain places for the sake of convenience. In other instances, it's a matter of getting that one thing done in that one way or by that one person because of the quirks of your hair slash sizing slash tastes. And then there are spots you patronize because you love what they do and what they add to your community and the capital C community you're in. For our next guest, celebrating and promoting Black-owned businesses in St. Louis is a commitment to all those things and more. She created a month-long social media series, 28 Days of Black-Owned St. Louis, to spotlight entrepreneurs during Black History Month and after. It's March 3rd now, so it's it's working on us, right? So we've got Ohun Ashe founder of For the Culture STL in the studio today to talk with us about that series. Ohun, thanks for coming here in the midst of all this, this soup outside. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. So let's talk about the origin of the idea. Mm-hmm. When did the idea come to you and with whom? Mm-hmm. Was it in a conversation? Where were you? So the origin of this series, um, to tell that story, I have to go back one year. So last year, there was um, an article that was released called 25 Reasons to Love St. Louis. Um, and when I read that article, I noticed that there was lacking and missing black businesses, black people, black culture in this article. And I thought that it was um, an atrocity to not include blackness because blackness is a part of St. Louis culture. So because of that, um, it was released in late January. So it gave me a smidget of time to do 28 Reasons to Love Black on St. Louis. So that was a series that we did last year where we just highlighted and talked about different areas, businesses, industries, um, things that we have here. Um, And this year, Black History Month was approaching again, and I knew I wanted to do something similar, but I wasn't exactly sure that the same approach as last year was the one that would fit. So we talked about it with my team, and we came up with going to spaces and highlighting Black-owned businesses, trying to keep up with that social media trend of creating TikToks and highlight reels. So we decided to dedicate our time um, for Black History Month and uplifting and supporting those businesses. And was there anything about its being, you know, 2023? I mean, 2022, we were still, we were in a different place around the pandemic, mm-hmm. for example. Is there a a way that the way you did it this year was a response in some way to what had happened in the span of one year? Yeah, and I think that that caused even the opening of all of these new businesses to uplift in the first place is that we are still in this pandemic, but we're getting past it to where we want to be in spaces and visit places and be connected to community in this physical realm. So I just thought it was so important. That's why even throughout the series, I constantly told people that they may have other options for you to receive these items, but coming in and experiencing it is so important. 
Now, the overall list, how did you make it? Mm-hmm. You know, who was involved in, in choosing the 28 businesses? Mm-hmm. So this was not a special list that we just knew that we wanted to do and come up with. So I just did a lot of research um, for the culture. STL is all about supporting Black-owned businesses. So we knew of a lot of Black-owned businesses. But this time we specifically wanted to focus on things outside of restaurants. Um, So we do highlight some restaurants in this series, but we really wanted to get outside of that. So between businesses that we already had on the website and then also like doing intensive and extensive research on businesses that sit in other industries. Uh, We came up with a list. Sometimes it was literally um, like February 5th and we needed something for February 6th, 7th, and 8th. So we were going out that day to get things and get content. So it was a fun challenge, but I think it was so necessary to highlight that black businesses sit everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you were in action kind of, as they say, building the plane as it was flying. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated the the diversity beyond food mm-hmm. um, of the different businesses that you selected. Now, let's talk about some of those businesses. Yes. I, I wore this shirt today. Yes. Profield uh, Reserve. Profield Reserve, <laughs> which is a, a clothing or an apparel mm-hmm. company. Um, and I think they've done some things with music as well, mm-hmm. which is yes. how this came to me. Um that particular store is located where? On Cherokee State Street. And there are a lot of businesses on Cherokee that you mm-hmm. did highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about that street that makes it hospitable mm-hmm. to black entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. I think it is the culture that has always sat in Cherokee Street and the diversity that has always been there. I think that is a space where people of color have always come to feel free and liberated and celebrated. And I think that it just opened up a space for black businesses to come in and also be a part of the culture and a celebration. Um, I remember when we went out to go visit all of those businesses and it took so many hours, but we literally Literally just went from one block to another to all of these businesses that sat there. Mm-hmm. And one of the other businesses I believe that is on Cherokee is So Jeff Retro. Yes, that and it's furniture resale. Yes. Um, I think I've passed it actually when I was on my way to go see an exhibition for a segment that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, is it kind of tucked away like you wouldn't know it's there unless you're looking for it? So. So many people honestly commented on that one and talked about how they saw that one over and over, but they never knew it was black owned. That building is beautiful. It stands out. And I just think that people didn't realize when you go inside that this antique furniture store is black owned because again we don't typically see black ownership in a space like that mm-hmm. which is a re- another reason that I think the diversity in a black business is on Cherokee Street is so amazing and it tells the story of black culture black businesses and the things that we are involved in mm-hmm. well and in, in that store there's also some history that you may not know that is like residing in in the items that they have, what does it take to build a culture like the one you're describing that is on Cherokee Street? Mm-hmm. On, I think it is investing. 
I think it is taking time to pour into, to listen, to understand, to be a part of the building process, and then to be a part of the sustainability. So one of the things that this series was about was sustaining these businesses by putting a shine and highlight on them so people know that they are there. And specifically when they are looking to support, they have, again, businesses from all of these industries that are black owned that makes it easier for them to invest and build and sustain. Mm -hmm. Now, when you had talked about So Jeff Retro, you used the word space. Um, By that, did you mean the um, sort of the, the kind of business that they're doing? Mm -hmm. Or did you mean the physical space or maybe both? So usually when I use the word space when I'm making these, I mean like the physical being in the space, the culture of the space, the way that it feels, the aesthetics, the energy that the space brings on its own. And this kind of made me think about, though, um, you said that many people are surprised that So Jeff Retro is Black-owned. Another of the businesses that you highlighted was Heyday's HQ, mm-hmm. which is a co-working space, mm-hmm. right? Um, how did you get hip to Heyday's HQ, and what about it makes it feel like it is for the culture. Mm-hmm. So I actually know the owner, Keisha, for a while now. She does a lot of like Hey Friend events um, that I've been to, and she is an amazing person. So um, through social media, I saw that she had this space and that she was opening it up. And again, a Black-owned co-working space isn't always highlighted. Um, there is another one on Washington Street that I would love to shout out, Kazi Society. So if you're looking for multiple spaces, Um, But it was so beautiful seeing such a dynamic space, um, such a creative space meant for collaboration and community being open. So I thought it was super important to make sure that this this made the list of of businesses that we highlighted. Mm -hmm. We're talking with Ohun Ashe, founder of For the Culture STL and the creator of 28 Days of Black-Owned St. Louis a digital video series highlighting businesses in the region. That's something you can see um, on, on Instagram. One of the other things is these businesses that are very specifically for black folks, mm-hmm. right? So um, one of them is uh, Buzz Bull. Buzz Bull Creamery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose that particular business? Yes, because... Again, we wanted to step outside of traditional like food spaces because I feel like they get so much highlight when it is time for people to um, put some exposure on black owned businesses. But this was such a cool food space because it's different. Um, We have this ice cream place that is already liquid nitrogen ice cream, which is specialized, I hear. And then also you can add some booze to it, it you know, (laughs) making it an adult beverage. So I thought that that creativity and that innovation was so important, again, to highlight because the businesses in this is more than just the traditional things that get highlighted and they have so much more to them. I thought it was so important and also where they sat in St. Charles, where we know the history of St. Charles and blackness, it hasn't always been a healthy one. So it was very important to get out to St. Charles and highlight the businesses there. Mm -hmm. And one of the other businesses that is located not in the city 
is uh, Cheryl's Herbs, right? Yes. Um, is that a store that you knew about before? Um, and if not, what was it or who was it that led you to that particular place? Mm-hmm. So Cheryl's Herbs was not a store that I knew of before. And actually, the new owner, Tiffany, reached out to us via Instagram and told us about their space and asked us to come out and invited us into the space. And when I walked in, it was beautiful and Uh, refreshing and this holistic healing um, that I definitely thought it was so important for the black community and all communities to know existed when we talk about healthy lifestyles that you have this space here that provides that for people and I'm not sure that many people knew that. Mm -hmm. No, the the black beauty supply Mm -hmm. is one of the ones that stood out to me because it is one that is, it's run by black owners. Mm-hmm. And the history of beauty supply stores, mm-hmm. like we're sitting right across from each other, a lot of them have been owned and run by um, by Asians. Mm-hmm. In the past, there were Jewish folks who ran them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, other immigrants. What is it about black beauty supply being run by black people, mm-hmm. something that is uh, is really important and notable. Mm-hmm. So I think when we talk about economic empowerment, we know that the beauty industry is a billion dollar industry that is um, supported by black folks mainly. So we don't often, like you said, we are not often the owners of the spaces. We aren't often the ones that can't economically empower ourselves by being invested in the spaces because we usually don't have that ownership. So it was so important to uplift that because we were talking, we're talking about taking power in the industry that we help thrive and strive every single day. And we have to begin being a participant in those receiving the benefits of that industry as well. Well, with all of the new businesses you were coming to learn about, it certainly sounds like there there's something happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to ask about Gamers Island. Yes. So it was, I think it was the last, one of the last ones that you highlighted. Mm-hmm. It is located in Florissant. Mm-hmm. What is it about Gamers Island that reflects uh, maybe a part of Black culture mm-hmm. that People in the you know, mainstream mm-hmm. don't necessarily realize or understand. I think black folks have been a part of gaming culture for a very long time. We have been a part of streaming culture for a very long time. And that is an industry that black people sit in and a lot of the times um, are harassed and are harassed by both their own community and communities outside of that. Um, and I think that some of the biggest streamers, um, I believe that it just happened at a Twitch streamer um, who is a black guy just became the most stream person on Twitch. So we sit in these spaces and we exist in them. So I think that this business is called this business calls for the importance of black folks in gaming and that we've always been here and always have existed here. Mm-hmm. What were the responses that you got 
first from entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that you featured as you were doing this series last month? Mm -hmm. So I've received a lot of feedback of just gratitude um, and happiness from the series itself, from the analytics. Um, once we posted these businesses, they got about 30 followers that day. Um, a lot of people went in immediate and they saw immediate support. So we, the range of the businesses were from businesses that have been established for a while and brand new businesses. So across the spectrum, it was just visibility um, to let people know that these businesses exist and the owners and entrepreneurs behind it have been really thankful to be a part of the series. Mm -hmm. And then what was the response from everyday people? Like, can you give us an example of, uh, of maybe a reaction that stood out to you, mm -hmm. whether it came to you in person or through any of your social media feeds? Yes. So we got a few comments on Instagram that really stood out of people understanding the background work that it took, um, identifying businesses, going out, recording content, creating the content, posting and staying engaged so that the content can get as many likes and views, as well as educating them on businesses that exist um, all over. And one of the biggest pieces of feedback that meant so much is that people saw um, that we try to highlight businesses everywhere from all sectors of St. Louis. And that made me feel so seen and visible and like the work mattered. Mm -hmm. Now, are you a St. Louis native? Yes. So how does it feel as a St. Louis native to be doing this work in the way that you are? Mm -hmm. I am. I'm proud. To be honest, um, I love St. Louis, and I, I tell people that all of the time. I am invested in this city. I want to be here. I want to be a part of the change. And I am just so thankful that this website that we founded almost five years ago has grown and expanded to a brand that is truly helpful and truly influential for Black businesses and Black culture, which also is St. Louis culture. Mm -hmm. Who is this list for? This list is for the black community. It is for business owners who have been invisible. It is for the voices that go unseen. It is for the people that are overlooked. It is for those who typically do not get this recognition. I want black folks black entrepreneurs and our things to know that we matter and we don't have to wait for anyone else to highlight us because there is someone in the corner that will have their back. This is free of charge. We make nothing out of doing this, but this is my love letter to Black St. Louis because I love the culture that we have created here um, so much. Why does it matter where folks are spending their money? Mm-hmm. You've talked about how it matters for black people, mm -hmm. right? How does it matter for our city and for people like me, like non-black folks? Mm -hmm. I think when we talk about creating a more diverse culture, supporting different cultures, going into those spaces and getting to know the people in those spaces matter if we talk about a more healed St. Louis. I think everyone's vision 
um, being a good person is that you want to see a more beautiful St. Louis, a more encompassing St. Louis, a St. Louis that feels good for everyone. So supporting black business, I tell people all the time, it's not a trend. It's not something to say. It's not something for Black History Month. It is a movement, a protest that empowers people to be better people for each other. Do you have any fear that some of these places <laughs> are going to get blown up so much that because this happens, right? Like, don't give away our spots. <laughs> have you gotten any of that from people in response to this list? So none of those things. Um, and I hope that if that ever is a problem, that it is a good problem <laughs> to have. Um, and I always tell people as well that. Um, give grace and extend grace to small businesses, to local businesses, to black businesses, because we don't have what other people have in sustaining. Um, so it may take a little bit longer. It may take a little bit more. And if you have frustrations in the space, try to be a community member to it. So if I love you and I want to see you do well, when I have feedback, I'm going to give it to you in love, not in harassment, not in embarrassment, not in bashment. I'm going to come to you because I want to see you win. And I know that sometimes um, interactions with businesses can be frustrating, but if you change that framework and I want to see you be better, you extend a little bit more grace and you give businesses the opportunity to learn and be better in love instead of hate. Ohun Ashe is founder of For the Culture, STL, and creator of the 28 Days of Black-Owned St. Louis series featuring a diverse range of Black-owned businesses during Black History Month. Thank you for coming in, Owen, and bringing a little bit of sunshine into the studio. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.